You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here, to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? On the show today is Larry Walsh. Larry is the author of Suit to Saddle and 40 to Finish. Both of these books highlight Larry's epic adventures of cycling across the United States at age 56 and then racing across the U.S. a few years later. In this interview, he tells us about his journey of self-discovery and how these adventures came to be. Check out his website at larry-walsh.com and enjoy my interview now. Well, I would like to welcome Larry Walsh to the podcast. Hey, Larry. Hey, Kathy. How's it nice going? To meet you. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. Well, Larry and I have both done something pretty epic, uh, but not together. Uh, we both have ridden our bikes across the United States via the Southern Tier. That's correct, right, Larry? That is correct. Okay. So, so I have you on the podcast to talk a little bit about that, but then you kind of, you know, upped the, the, uh, I don't even know the right word. Uh, well, the craziness maybe. Yeah. Okay. Let's say it. You upped the craziness <laughs> level and then you decided to race across America. So I hope that you have some good stories for us because I think we're ready to hear him. Sure do. No, I'm excited to be here. So thanks so much. Okay. Well, let's start out with telling the listeners where you live and what the cycling culture is like there. Yeah. So um, my family, uh, I have three children, uh, two out of college and one in, in high school and my wife. We live in New Jersey. We lived there for about 15 years. Mm. And um, I'm actually talking to you, Kathy, right now from uh, right off the Torch Lake in Michigan. Oh. So my wife's family is from Detroit. So we try to get out here as much as, as possible. Um, but the, the cycling uh, culture back in New Jersey is um, is alive and well. Uh, I live in Morris County, and those roads are often uh, frequented by cyclists. They'll come from all over the, the, the New Jersey to actually ride the roads in, in uh, Morris County. Um, and for me, uh, you know, my enjoyment is just those roads. I love riding the hills. We have a lot of hills in Morris County. And, um, so I'll just get out of the, the house, get on the, the bike and, you know, within a, a half a mile or so I'm on a, on a 10 or 15% grade. Mm. And, um, there's a Ramapo rally, which is a, an annual August uh, bike ride, you can do 100, 125, 60, 50, that sort of thing. Hundreds of people will, will attend that. Mm -hmm. And that's really my, the annual event that I really look forward to. Mm -hmm. And that actually was the event that I um, uh, rode right before going on the Southern Tier back in September of, of 2018. Uh -huh. So it's kind of got a uh, kind of sentimental part uh, in my heart there. So I really enjoy going back to that um, every year. There are a lot more events that go on in New Jersey, mm -hmm. but that's pretty much the one I do because I'm busy. I do so many other things, um, but I try to get out as much as I can. And when you say people will come to Morris County to ride their bikes, is it because 
of the elevation that you spoke of, the, you know, the steep hills? Is it the low traffic? Is it the, you know, nature? Like, what do you think it is? Yeah, so so it's it's very, uh, the nature is very, very nice. A lot of hills. Uh, the roads are, you know, pretty decent, mostly uh, paved and, you know, smooth. Um, traffic is well, not too bad. A lot of times on Saturday, Sunday mornings is where you see a lot of the folks that are out. And just um, the hills are uh, just really enjoyable. It's so a lot of people are live close to the city where I live. So New, New York City and mm-hmm. Morristown, you know, Parsippany, it's a little bit more congested. Mm-hmm. So we are just a little bit west of those areas. So people feel like they can get away. Oh, sure. And, um, and you know, there's there's uh, several like 20 mile rides that you'll see folks go on. It's a 30 mile ride. So they're very common and you know, the cars and the people that live in the area kind of know that cyclists are going to be in the area. So, um, you know, for me, when I first moved here and started seeing cyclists, I, I, I'm, I'm aware of that. They come into Morris County because oftentimes I talk to them and say, I live outside of your county. I'm coming in because we really like cycling around this area. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's very good. Okay, so obviously you like cycling. Um, you like to look at nature and the beauty. And so I don't know if this is a good segue, but so 2018 arrives and you tell the family, I think I'm just going to go out for a bike ride. And you end up biking across the entire United States. Well, it's so, um, interestingly enough, uh, I wasn't, I, I enjoy cycling, Kathy, but it wasn't like I was on a bike every day cycling. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. real passion has always been, I'm 60 years old now. So this is at 56 years old. I, I'm a, I love basketball, very oh, okay. competitive basketball. And, um, I hurt my, my foot, uh, at the end of 2017 and so it was, gosh, maybe three months, you know, when, you know, it's winter time, there's snow on the ground. I'm not getting a lot of exercise and I, um, I was out of a job. So mm-hmm. kind of my world was sort of upended a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just started riding my bike just when the weather improved in April of 218, simply for exercise mm-hmm. and to get out and to experience. Cause I do enjoy it, that part of it, just getting out and kind of thinking and I started thinking about when I would fly back from uh, California to New York. I, we lived in California at the time many years ago, and my company was in New York. I'd look out the window and just marvel at the landscape below mm-hmm. and just would think, oh, how cool would that be to ride a bike across the country someday, never thinking this was actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, fast forward to um, April, May time frame of 2018, I'm riding around my little town in Mendham, New Jersey, and all of a sudden, I start thinking about this and come home. And I said, I asked my wife, I said, well, I don't know if I asked her. I think I probably had made up my mind already. <laughs> but I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about riding the bike across the country. And she said, just do it. She knew I needed to get away. She She's totally supported. And um, so that was, um, you know, I guess you could say one hurdle. And um, but I, I still wasn't convinced that this was the right thing. Kind of my heart saying, go for it. My head saying, get a job and sort of that whole <laughs> right. back and forth. And I can tell you right now, I'm so happy my heart went out and that. But I asked my kids, we were down at the beach. It was actually four years ago this weekend, uh, in the, uh, July 4th weekend down at Jersey Shore. And I asked my girls, I said, hey, what do you think of dad? 
riding across the country and they came back at me in, in unison, YOLO dad, I was like, YOLO, <laughs> what is that? You only live once. So that really was it, Kathy. I, I found a, um, a tour, the Adventure Cycling Association out of Missoula. They happened to have the Southern Tier that was beginning in two months. And uh, it was going through the desert, which is exactly what I wanted to, to ride, where I wanted to ride. And, um, and it was self-contained, which is what I, I wanted to, to try to carry everything and kind of have that experience. And so I called up my local bike shop. Um, I said, hey, what kind of bike, you know, do you recommend? And they made a couple of recommendations. With, they bought, uh, I bought a Surly. Mm. And in a mad dash of effort, you know, for the next few weeks, I kind of was REI's best customer, uh, <laughs> trying to figure things out and ship my bike out to San Diego, uh, gosh, um, I guess in the middle of September and, um, you know, met the folks and we just took off across the country. So that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm not the people will say, well, what was your training, you know, routine, yeah. you know, it, it's like, well, probably not the, the right person to ask because I really didn't have one. Wow. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, it's yeah. so interesting, the volume of people that I've interviewed that have done either Transamerica or just, you know, a long, long distance ride that say they work into it, meaning they don't really train for it. But, you know, when you have nothing else to do but get on your bike every day, your body is going to adapt. So yes. uh, good for you. And uh, so an interesting, you know, the fact that you got the Surly and, you know, went to REI, got everything. Had you done self-supported cycling before this? No, I had not. Oh, so wow. I, when I was 18, when I was 18 years old, I rode my bike. Uh, I lived in Pennsylvania, grew up in Pennsylvania. I rode it 100 miles uh, in, in a day. I think I did it twice. Mm. Um, and I was in the service for many years after college. And, you know, I, I competed in a couple of these smaller mini triathlons. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I had, I, I've always enjoyed cycling. I've enjoyed cycling as, a, 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 as an exercise, mm -hmm. as a way to get in shape, as, you know, kind of change of habit. Okay, I'm done. You know, I don't want to lift. I don't want to play basketball. Let's go out and cycle. And I really enjoyed that part of, um, of cycling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's pretty much, uh, you know, kind of what brought me to, um, you know, just being in pretty good shape. And I kind of, you know, I was in, I used a safe stationary bike in the basement mm -hmm. and, but other than that, not really too much, uh, training that went into the, to the, um, before I, I left on the trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm assuming most people understand what self-contained means, but for those that don't, it basically means that you took your bike and you probably had racks attached to it, and then everything you needed for that trip was attached to your bike, right? Like sleeping that, stuff, clothing, shelter. Um, I'm assuming you probably were able to eat along the way and maybe had adventure cycling helping with that, but yes. you had, did yes. you ever weigh your bike? Yeah. So when, yes, um, it was about, you know, the bike itself with the racks, probably 40 some, you know, chromoly steel, very sturdy. I called, I referred to my bike as tank, it was uh, like, yeah. like a Sherman tank. And uh, with all the, you know, the, the, the equipment, the clothing and so forth, um, anywhere probably between 85 and 90 pounds. Yeah, um, and it was way too much. It was, you know, <laughs> one of the, one of the mistakes that, you know, novice ultra distance cyclists can make, I, you know, read about this before is like you bring too much stuff and mm -hmm. 
it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, oh, I need all this stuff, but you really don't. Right. And I ended up going to the post office probably half a dozen times on the way across, just shipping stuff home that uh, really didn't need. But we also, the group, so there were 11 of us, and, uh, you know, the, there's a fee that, you know, you pay the Adventure Cycling Association, and they're mm-hmm. responsible for the overnight you know, camping or motels, and, you know, you do stay in churches and so forth. And then there's a group credit card. And so every night there's two different folks that are responsible for the cooking and the cleaning. And, and, uh, that's kind of how, you know, you go about, uh, the trip across the country. So when it's your day, you're the one who's going to the grocery store to get this stuff. If you need help transporting it over, you'll text your other, you know, uh, folks in the, in the, uh, in the tour, Hey, we need some help. And you'll, you know, divvy up the, the food and, and ride to the campsite mm. and you know, cook dinner and, you know, make the breakfast, clean up. And then that just that routine, uh, you know, just basically repeats itself until the end. That's I love that uh, aspect of it. And we we both need to give a shout out to Adventure Cycling um, because you utilize them for the entire trip. You know, they you probably had a guide or at least a leader. And then, you know, like you just mentioned, they find you uh, your places to sleep each night. Um, we did not use that when I went on my trip, but we use their maps. So you can yes. purchase their maps online. You can actually get the GPX files and put them into your bike computer. And these are much more than maps. I don't know if you were able to see them at all, but they tell you everything. They tell you, you know, what area of the state is going to have dogs that are off leash and what areas, you know, the crops that they have and where the gas stations are and it's i don't know these guys really have it nailed down i totally agree in in all the service areas um and we have we had a map meeting every night so uh, after dinner we'd get together for about a half hour our leader um would would kind of walk through the next day's uh, ride the routes any you know any uh construction that you know, she's aware of and then we would um we would share stories about uh, about that day, but the the maps are just so wonderful mm-hmm. because um, they also and admittedly I didn't really read a lot of the field notes like I I did after I returned, but the history and little tidbits of information about the little towns that you're going through mm-hmm. and um, just wonderful like that. Mm-hmm. And I would say that you know on the service you know there's a each town you know these are the campgrounds the grocery stores and you know there's a lot of busy businesses you know that are starting and going out of business all the time but i found that the maps are probably 95 percent up to date yeah. and it was really really um helpful to have those maps yes. and so i i'm a big fan yes me too and that website is adventure cycling dot org um, so they're a nonprofit organization and the maps were not very expensive at all and you and i both did what's called the southern tier is that correct what you did yes yes, yes. so basically it's exactly what it is you're uh, traveling along the southern part of the united states so um and i have several episodes on this podcast where people can kind of hear my story, but I absolutely loved it. And it's kind of a funny um, extra bonus that we got. So we were following the maps from Adventure Cycling, but there was some sort of group, and I do not know if they were an Adventure Cycling group or some other service, but they were uh, like three days ahead of us. 
And whoever was their leader would go a day ahead of time and put these yellow arrows on the pavement. So, you know, we, (laughs) whenever we would see the yellow arrow, we were like, oh, sweet, we're on the right track. You know, we're not going to get lost. (laughs) And, and then we would lose the arrows for, you know, maybe an hour or so, and then we'd see him again. And so, um, I don't know what organization actually did that, but I was very thankful. And literally it was the the entire United States. Oh my goodness. That is so funny. It really is. And you know, you, you just, when you were sharing that story, Kathy, I was just thinking about, you know, the times that I got lost in the bonus miles, oh. it really was not so much in the rural or suburban areas as, you know, when we get into Tempe or when I got into Austin, um, would seemingly would be a no brainer, but I often found myself getting turned around and it wasn't major miles, right? It was just, but it was more of a nuisance, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of, Oh, I want to get to the campsite. I want to get to the, to the motel. But what I found is um, the the maps with the GPS, you know, with the with the digital files, and and yes, uh, seeing folks on the road going from east to west. Every so often, you'd see some. Hey, tell me about the road ahead. Mm-hmm. I I was su- pleasantly surprised at how um, I don't know easy it was, but I just I thought I was going to get lost a lot more than what mm-hmm. I did. So yeah. that was really yeah interesting. I can agree with that, and I also. Um, have, uh, I call it an adventure bike. I've not named it. I know you named yours tank, but I found, you know, it's a steel bike. It's super heavy and I didn't, we weren't self-contained, but I definitely had a few bags on it with, you know, like rain gear and, um, tools and snacks and all that, that kind of stuff. So it was not 90 pounds, but it was definitely a little bit heavier and I had bigger tires, but I'm so thankful that I did because, um, you know, shoulders on the interstates that we had to ride on and just, you know, like the road quality throughout the United States is not the best. So I don't know if you can recall any experiences that you had yeah, well, I, you know, I was so fortunate in, in many respects that from a mechanical standpoint, I didn't have a single flat tire, mm. um, uh, actually on both rides. Um, so, and then I did a lot of maintenance. So I, you know, I guess the military training. So at night in the morning, I would do preventive maintenance checks and services just mm-hmm. to make sure of the brakes and the tires and all of that. Um, but I did find the roads for the most part, um, you know, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some mm-hmm. areas in Arizona I remember where there was a lot of the shrubs that would come out, and it kind of you force you, force you onto the to the highway. This mm-hmm. is on Interstate Ten. I remember it's like, okay, this is this is not a good thing. Right. And um, but and then there was in California there was a, a stretch of of road when we were like real close to El Centro, and it was just this rubble strip for about ten miles, and I. I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, my racks are going to fall off. And, you know, <laughs> this is going to break and that's going to break. And I wonder if it's going to be like that for the rest of the ride. And it really wasn't. No, for the most part. you're right. It was really, really nice. Yeah. Um, roads. You know, Mississippi roads were surprisingly just absolutely beautiful. A quick interruption to introduce you to our newest sponsor, Hammerhead. The Hammerhead Carew 2 Cycling Computer helps you find your path forward and unlock your full potential on every ride. For a limited time, listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Carew 2. Visit hammerhead.io 
right now and use promo code Murphology at checkout to get yours. I use the Hammerhead Carew 2 and love it. The full color touchscreen display is intuitive and responsive. It feels more like a smartphone than a GPS device. It's easy to read and if you use it for navigation, you can route, reroute, or create pin drop routing on the fly. In the turn-by-turn -turn directions, they've saved me a couple times already. Check it out at hammerhead.io and use code Murphology at checkout. Now back to the show. And, you know, every day was different right. in, in Texas. You know, Texas, a thousand of the 3,000 miles in Texas. You know, Texas is Texas. It can't be that different. But I found, like, every day was just a different experience, and which was, you know, sort of that was part of the – the excitement to kind of get up and go to the next day. Okay. It's not going to be the same as I just did. What's the new thing I'm going to learn who, you know, the new people I'm going to meet, you know, that was part of the attraction. And it also kept me off, kept me away from thinking about this big number called 3000 miles. I didn't <laughs> want to think about that. And I mentioned this on a previous episode, but what I absolutely loved about the entire bike ride across the U S is that, um, a, I kind of saw all four seasons and also the terrain, like, you know, you don't need to go to another country to see amazing sand dunes because they're in California or, you know, mountains or desert or, you know, beautiful, I don't know, pretty much anything you want to see outside of the United States is actually in the United States. I completely agree. I really do. And it's actually something I, I, talk about quite a bit about this idea you know a lot of the the youngsters in college are they, you know they're going overseas for their um you know their immersion or their cultural exchange or something like which is all this is great but my goodness mm -hmm. what about just going to visit some places in the united states mm -hmm. that that uh, you know i've been traveled a lot over the the last many years of my adult life but yet i saw so many new and interesting places um and the other part of about um, the rides, Kathy, I found to be um, really a lot of fun is that, you know, the, the adventure cycling maps, they take you off the beaten path and mm -hmm. trying to, you know, obviously from a safety standpoint. So, so many of the towns that you ride through are, you know, one or two stop signs, you know, they've got a grocery store, a gas station, and, you know, maybe, maybe a thousand, uh, you know, residents and, and that's really the makeup of mm -hmm. so many of these um, towns that are between the big cities that we oftentimes hear about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the residents would want it any other way, but um, but I also know that they love when we, I would go through. You oh, know, we sure. would go through because you're you know you're buying something. It's an economic engine that the cyclist community actually brings to a lot of these small towns. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just it's wonderful. Uh, country in which we live. Mm -hmm. I agree. And if you think about that particular trip, did you have any, that was the coolest type moments that you have off the top of your head? Well, I, I it really was the entire experience for me was um, just really amazing. It really was. I, I would go, it would the people I met, those are the memories that sort of just kind of stick out. Mm -hmm. And one in particular was in Marfa, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, I love going to bike shops in different towns and I love going to barber shops in different towns. And that's the way just to kind of catch up and chat and mm -hmm. kind of 
kind of figure out what's going on in the in the area for that weekend for that day. A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you're in the market for a New Jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURF to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20% off. Now back to the show. So I met Abe. Um, He was a barber. He was a retired sheriff, retired mayor. And the local barber and we struck up a conversation. He asked me about my military service and and sort of we started going back and forth. And I said, oh, yeah, I was stationed at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. And Oh, yeah, I was a barber there. I was, mm-hmm. When were you there? I was there in 1984. When were you there, Barbara? I was there during that same time. And <laughs> who did you get haircuts to? I, I was there giving haircuts to the, the second lieutenant to the new the officer basic candidate or a school. I was in the new second lieutenant. We were not able to confirm and say, oh, my gosh, I remember you. (laughs) However, there was a chance that Abe had given me a haircut 34 years before the time I met him in Marfa, Texas. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that. It's just so much fun. And, you know, hopefully you could hear. I just love sharing the stories because it's that's what the ride was. The bike happened to be the vehicle, but it was all about the stories and and the memories and all of that. That was the most enjoyable for me. Yes. And if anyone's um, listening that is interested in learning more, uh, you have to Google Marfa, Texas, because there is the art installations, the um, really wacky like sculptures and things that are in the town, at the bars, the restaurants. I That was one of my top five places when I oh, was Oh, is it really? That's I, interesting. I just oh, yeah. had a great time there. And how about the fake Prada store? Oh, outside? yeah, I've got, yes, <laughs> lots of pictures of that. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if it's illegal, but there were thousands of them. So there is a morphology sticker at the Marfa Museum. Oh, my goodness. Or, that is so wait, awesome. let me rephrase that. It's on the fence outside the Marfa uh, art oh, installation. Oh, my God, that is so awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. Next time I'm out there, I'm going to have to take a look, <laughs> look at that. Look for it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Then we fast forward, you get done with your adventure across the U.S. and you're like, that was awesome. And then somehow you decide to up the ante a little bit. So give us, uh, you know, kind of the lowdown on what happened next. Yeah. So so um, when I first met 10 others in San Diego, uh, you know, we, the first time we met as a group, we went around and introduced ourselves, what was the motivation for riding the Southern Tier. And there were a couple of folks that shared that they had um, ridden the Transamerica Bike Trail before. I'd never heard of the Transamerica Bike Trail. So as I think back now, I think probably there was a, some a seed planted in my mind at that point. Mm. And as I learned about myself, the as the ride went on, I found that I was getting in better shape. The, the days were becoming a little bit easier. And oftentimes we would get into camp at two or three in the afternoon. Um, you know, I had gas in my tank and mm-hmm. I wanted to continue, but yet the, you know, the route for that day was, this is where we stop and which was great. But I, in the back of my mind, I was like, Hmm, if I ever do this again, maybe I'll try the trans America trail, but certainly never thinking that I was going to do that. Um, so when I, came back uh this is now the beginning of 2019 fully expecting to go back to work but i taught myself iMovie 
and I had uploaded all the pictures and the videos and um, I kind of created a, a, a movie. We had friends and family over to the house. My wife kind of created the theater experience with popcorn and mm-hmm. candy and so forth and mm-hmm. just shared the video. And I um, oftentimes would answer so many questions and I would relive the ride along the Southern tier. And each time I relived the ride, I got more excited and I, I still had the cycling itch, Kathy. So I, at that point, decided that I wanted to test to see how fast I could race my bike across the country. Wow. And um, I found Lael Wilcox's story, uh, which she won the 2016 Trans-America Bike Race, which it goes from Oregon, Astoria, Oregon, to Yorktown, Virginia. It's through 10 states, about 4,200 miles. And um, that was just so exciting how she came back with, you know, with less than a day to go. And she uh, she um, overtook the leader who had woken up in the middle of the night because of sleep deprivation was going the wrong way. They met in Bumpus, Virginia. They rode together for a short period of time. And then um, Lael just continued and won by about two hours. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to do this race. And so I reached out to the organizer and I mentioned to my wife that I was thinking about doing this race. And what was so interesting is the first time I mentioned to my wife, you know, for the Southern tier, she was totally supportive. And she said, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, it's going to make you a more interesting person. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, I bought into that. And um, when I asked about the second ride, she said, so how are you going to explain this one to a future employer? <laughs> and I just said, I'll figure it out. Because <laughs> I wanted to do it so badly, and so I um, d- shipped the bike out to Portland. Um, had about six weeks maybe to plan um, and prepare and train, and so I shipped my bike out. Uh, I got five months after returning from the Southern Tier and shipped it out to Portland. Went up into Astoria. I met uh, seventy-two other racers from fifteen countries, and um, we took off. Uh, on June 2nd, uh, 2019, at five in the morning, and just continued across the country and arrived at the Yorktown Victory Monument 38 days later. And so that was it. That was more of a, um, you know, the, you know, the, the first ride was really about reflection and, and riding through so many parts of the country that I had been stationed when I was in the military. So memories learning about myself because mm-hmm. I was, you know, it was a challenging time for me to try to figure out what I wanted to do after being laid off. But this second ride was so much about this sort of idea of overcoming assumed constraints and what both physically and mentally, because when I set out in Astoria, I had initially thought I could complete the ride in about 54 days. And um, I ended up, you know, very shortly after starting the race, realizing that I had limited myself. And after I really pushed harder, I could complete in a much quicker time. And, um, and I was able to arrive at at Yorktown about 16 days faster than I originally uh, had. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was so it was a wonderful experience. I would say, um, I was actually doing a talk last night to to a group up in um, in a Charlevoix, Michigan, and the question, you know, how do you, because they could say, they, they could sense that I was very excited about all the people I met 
on the southern tier and the stories and they said were you able to do that on the on the trans am and i said that's that is the biggest conflict that i had through the entire race because i oftentimes wondered can i race and also enjoy myself at the same time it was a conflict mm. that was a dissonance that was just sort of struggling with me across the entire the country and um that is something that I can say that you can. If if mm. racing to you is finishing, which to me, I consider it a success because I finished, I also was able to enjoy myself as well. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who has uh, followed the Trans Am bike race, I mean, it's a little bit of everyone. You know, of course, someone like Lael Wilcox, um, I feel like she slept maybe less than 10 hours the entire adventure like she was really really extreme and and the guy who just won it oh is that, so this year's name is craig Pauly. Yes. he actually yeah he won and last year too he was trying to break the record so the year that i rode that's when the record was broken there was a, a guy from australia and he finished in 16, a little over 16 days, averaging 254 miles a day. Uh, that's, I can't even put my head around that. You know, I can maybe see doing one day, right? But then you got to like chill out and relax. But the, the mindset to be able to, you know, suffer for that amount of time over and over and over again, it's just, I don't know, it's beyond my comprehension. But I also would say that your ride probably had a lot of suffering and you were averaging some pretty high miles per day as well. Yeah. So, um, I initially thought I could uh, average 80 and I ended up averaging about 109. So I was, I was very pleased with that. Um, and the loneliness was really cause you're by yourself, mm-hmm. um, for, for the most part. And so that, that part of it was very, uh, challenging, um, and saddle swords. That mm. was the other part. In uh, Wyoming, there was I had some problems with saddle swords, and it was a, a big concern that I might not be able to continue. And mm. I just changed my routine. And uh, fortunately, the next day I rode, and it didn't get any worse. And I was able just to sort of power through for the rest of the three weeks or so after that. I was very concerned about that. And mechanical problems, once again, Kathy, I was um, fortunate. I had a little bit of a chain issue in, in um, Kentucky. Um, weather was um, not the best, but it wasn't as, as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. A couple of hail, a little bit of snow, a lot of rain, but you know, no tornadoes in Kansas. You know that, no flooding, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I kind of was. You know, there were a lot of obstacles for certain, but I was uh, very fortunate. Um, and you know, the strategy for me, I, I, I remember when I left the morning of June 2nd at five o'clock, you know, there was dark and everybody was taken off when the bell rang. And I remember thinking two things, number one, I'll never see any of these people ever again. <laughs> and number two, just ride your race. Don't mm. try to be someone else. And so my strategy was to ride maximum amount during the daylight and sleep at night and repeat hopefully until the finish. And there were times because of my competitive nature when I, you know, you're tracked by satellite and you could see the front runners pulling away mm. literally hundreds of miles in front. Um, but I said, don't, you know, don't try to, to, to be them. Cause that's not who I was. Mm. I, I, I was there for a different reason 
to test myself, not to try to beat someone else. And um, I, um, as a result of that, I, I feel like that was why I was able to, to get across um, and uh, arrive at the at the monument. Wow. Well, congratulations. That is, well, I not a lot of people can say that they um, have done the Trans Am bike race. And I bet you there's even fewer people that can say they've <laughs> biked across the United States twice. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to my next question or comment is that, you know, if we go back to the Southern Tier uh, bike ride that you did, you came back maybe a couple of years later, I, I, I think it was 2021, and decided to write a book about it. Yeah. Um, so what actually, when I came back from the, the second ride, the Trans Am race, Kathy, so in a, in a matter of 10 months from September of 2018, when I did the, the Southern Tier, and then several months later in 2019, I did the, the, the Trans Am. So there was about a September of 2018 to July of 2019, that 10-month period, rode the bike 7,300 miles Ooh. through 18 states and about 528 towns. Wow. And so when I returned home, I just wrote a manuscript. So this is for about a six month period of time as I was looking for work. Um, and this is the second the half of two, 219 now. I um, just wrote just wrote everything down and my mind was clear. Uh, I knew my mind would fade over time and I just figured I would get this manuscript. And, you know, when I'm long gone, you know, the future Walsh generations can read about their crazy uncle. That's sort of the way I thought about it at the time. Then I went back to work in 2020, and we all know what happened mm -hmm. in March of 220. COVID hit, and um, you know the business was impacted, my job was impacted, and I started in a lot of throughout the course of the last year or so. People say you're going to write a book, you're going to write a book, but but honestly, I just my response was then I said no. I, I said this is I did it for myself. I didn't raise money. I didn't announce it to the world or any. I just did it because I felt like I, I, I needed to do this for myself, for me and my family. But then I realized that I was looking at things um, different, uh, the wrong way, quite frankly. As like, I was fortunate to have the resources and the support to be able to step away at 56 and 57 years old to ride the bike 7,300 miles, 18 states and 528 towns. And I said, why wouldn't everyone want to read about the experiences that I was um, able to 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 experience. So I reached out to a, um, a publisher in, in South Carolina and about a month after I did that, they came back to me and said, we suggest that you break your book into two books, which was a little bit of a surprise. But since I asked these um, experts for their advice, I figured I might as well kind of take their 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 advice. Mm -hmm. So I did, I rewrote the first book, which is Suit to Saddle, Cycling to Self-Discovery on the Southern Tier. And that is a travelogue. It's a memoir. It is a lot of reflection about growing up, about a lot of the places that I was stationed uh, when I was in the service through Texas, Alabama, Louisiana. And I don't shy away from personal challenges as well. And that's the book that's been out um, for about uh, September of, since uh, September of 2021. Mm. And um, it's been a great, it's, I, I love talking about the ride. You know, the book is kind of secondary, you know, that's sort of the, the result of it's the stories, it's the sharing uh, of the experience that I just absolutely love um, sharing with others. 
A quick interruption to introduce our newest sponsor, Hammerhead. And listen, for a limited time, listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2. Visit hammerhead.io and use promo code MERFOLOGY at checkout to get yours today. Now back to the show. And then the second book is is coming out here in, in probably about a month or so. It's called 40 to Finish, mm. Cycling to Victory on the Transamerica Bike Trail. And it's written as a, uh, a travelogue as well. Um, but I also uh, really get into a lot of the this idea of overcoming assumed constraints, both physically and mentally. And coincidentally, the route traverses the Lewis and Clark Trail. You mm. go over Lolo Pass. There's so much rich history that comes alive on the Transamerica Bike Trail. So I introduce some of that as well because I've always been a big fan of westerns and you know that whole experience with um, with Lewis and Clark and what they were able to do 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you said the second book is coming out soon, but uh, where can people go if they want to buy Suit to Saddle? Yeah, so it's on. It's available widely available. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, mm. your local bookstore. Um, but uh, my website, I do have a website. It's it's www.larry.walsh.com. And um, you can go there. Um, I do a monthly newsletter. All of the information on purchasing the books are there. And I also update little short ride reels every so often, pictures every so often, just to kind of share some of the content that I have, much of the content I have, I'm trying to get out there in short bite-sized uh, elements over the, uh, you know, every month or so, I'll share something to kind of keep it fresh. But that's the best place to go is my website. Awesome. And it's a cool website. You have a lot of different things on there. And okay. you, um, when you said you have videos, you have YouTube channel as well, right? I do. I do. Yeah. Um, but I do. I have wonderful videos on there. I have mm-hmm. a couple of interviews and, and I really like to, you know, I'll, uh, take snippets of the ride and throw it on there with some music. And um, so, yes, I do have a YouTube uh, video or a channel as well. Yeah. But I know if you just go to the uh, larry dash walshcom website, you can find all of your social media from there. So that's cool. Exactly. Thank you. So anything on the horizon as far as upcoming adventures? Like, I mean, what can you do after you've ridden across the United States twice? Yeah. So, um, you know, all, all good things come in threes, right? I have three children yes. and I did the two. So we all, we, we know Kathy, there is a Northern tier, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, there so, is. <laughs> so I, I kind of joke about that. I, I really don't don't know but uh, you know i the, the ramapo rally is coming up in about a month i'm actually up at, at torch lake now and my mm-hmm. my younger brother one of my younger brothers is coming up with his wife we're going to do the the ride around torch is like 100 miles just for fun and, and and you know things like that so um so that's my adventure is is really just going to be getting out and spending time with the family and mm-hmm you know, doing different things. Um, I do, I, you know, I do a lot of talks and I just, again, just love chatting with cycling clubs, book clubs, libraries, VFWs, senior centers, you know, any, you know, everyone's looking for good content or different content. And, and I, you know, I, um, I'll talk to one person or a hundred, per- it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that just loves to share the story and answer those questions. Um, so that's the adventure for me. It's uh, eyes wide open, 
waking up the next day and let's see what life brings us. Yeah. And for those of you who aren't, you know, living near where Larry is or speaking at, get the book, man, Suit to Saddle. And coming very soon will be 40 to finish. So uh, I am definitely looking forward to reading um, Suit to Saddle just because you're, you know, talking about a route that I've done and looking at some of your um, videos. It was kind of fun you know, the photos were like the exact same places that I have photos of too. So it was kind of like, oh, I remember, oh, I forgot about that bridge or, oh, that's right. This, you know, I was there too. So it's, it's nice to relive memories, but hopefully it inspires, you know, people to say, I, I want to do that. And now I'm going to do it. I completely agree with you. It's, 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 um, you know, the, the hardest part is who has the time. Yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, it, yeah. that really, it's, you know, the physical part of it is not as challenging as I thought, you know, you know, obviously the mental part of it is everybody has their way of sort of um, moving through and not thinking about something so um, big as 3000 miles and sort of chunking it each day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, who has the time? And I, you know, I think that's the hardest part. And if we can get folks to think like that, I think more people would get out there and then just enjoy America and enjoy, get on the road, get some good exercise as well. Yes, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, Larry, and, you know, sharing your experiences and a few of mine. And for anybody out there, you know, listening, you can do it. You know, you can, if you really put your mind to something, you just, you have to figure out the whole, you know, time constraint or whatever. But uh, Larry-Walsh.com is Larry's website. Anything else I didn't cover that you want to hit before we say goodbye? Well, I just would, um, I, a shout out to local bike shops. Yeah. I just, I, um, I'm such a fan. Uh, I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was very uh, naive about ultra distance cycling. And, you know, I was asked, I was the one asking all the dumb questions. And I walked into the, my, our local bike shop at Whippany Cycle in New Jersey and Chet and his group, they were just wonderful. They, they didn't make me feel like I was wasting their time. They just answered all my questions. They could tell I was serious about learning and I, gosh, I just, um, you know, I, I bring them coffee and donuts in the morning and I've learned from them. And I just, I'm a big fan of just local bike shops. So I just a shout out to the local bike shop in your area. I completely agree. Well, Larry, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk about your adventures. And I look forward to getting a hold of one of your books. Thank you so much, Kathy. I really enjoyed it and uh, have a great day. Thanks. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. If you're interested in learning more about my bike tour across the U.S., go to my website, which is morphologypodcast.com, and click on the tab labeled Murph's Biking the U.S. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. Also, a quick shout out to Simmons Electric for sponsoring this episode. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Murphology Podcast listener. Thank you.